Happy Sunday, West Village family. How's it going? Uh, my name is Chris, uh, one of the leaders here at West Village. If you're new, tuning in uh, for the first time online, just want to extend a big special welcome to you uh, and to our West Village family who's watching online. Uh, whether you're watching this uh, Sunday, either in the morning, the evening, or catching it afterwards online, again, just want to extend a big welcome uh, to you. Uh, it feels weird uh, for me to be preaching in front of a camera again for the last Four Sundays, uh, our church family has had live gatherings uh, out in the park, four different parks scattered across the city, had, you know, over the course of the four weeks, several hundred people gathering in different parts of uh, parts of our city, and it just felt good. Uh, it felt so good to be together, to be able to sit under the teaching of God's Word, to be able to worship together, to be able to even socially distance and, you know, kind of on your own, take communion together. Like, it was such a, a blessing to be together. And now here we are again back online. Uh, but this is indeed the season that we find ourselves in, uh, both as a church, but, but then also uh, just as this global pandemic um, is making its mark on our world, this is where we find ourselves uh, in the greater scheme of things in general. Uh, and really, for the last four weeks, we like while we were doing these gatherings, both online and in the park, we were actually trying to answer the, that question: like, what does it actually mean to be the church in the midst of this global pandemic? We've been doing a four-week series called "We Are West Village." We're going through our four kind of core rhythms of gather, uh, go, give, and grow. And with that, asking, how do we live out what it means to follow Jesus? in this unusual time, in this unusual season. Uh, and what I'm going to do uh, in my teaching today is kind of tie that all together and really ask the question, ask and answer the question, what is next for us? Uh, where do we go from here? What is the next season of the life of our church look like? But before I answer that question, what I want to do is uh, maybe just give us some of the key learnings that over the last six months that we've been uh, involved in kind of trying to be the church in the midst of COVID, five key learnings that we've experienced. If you have a Bible, go to um, Acts chapter 11. In Acts chapter 11, if you don't know your Bible well, the book of Acts is kind of after the life and ministry of Jesus, uh, the end of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Jesus resurrects from the grave. He ascends into heaven at the beginning of the book of Acts, and he promises that the Spirit will come, and then the Spirit does indeed come, falls on the church, falls on them with, with power, great power. Many people start to come to faith in Jesus, and this is really the beginning of the movement that we call Christianity, that is Jesus's church, the kingdom of God coming to bear, expanding and growing. And in Acts chapter 11, we have an account of uh, one of the more influential churches in all of church history. It's the church in Antioch. So in Acts chapter 11, picking up in verse 19, here is what we see. And right, right out of the gate, we're going to get our first learning here. But look at what it says in verse 19. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Now, the first key learning that we see in this text, but that we've also learned as we've gone through this global pandemic and we've experienced what it means to be the church in the midst of COVID is that crisis always brings opportunity. And so what we see here in the book of Acts is that there was indeed a crisis. We see this right in verse 19. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution, 
Uh, what has taken place in the book of Acts, as I've already said, the church is being established, the church is growing, people are coming to faith in Jesus, lots and lots of people are coming to faith in Jesus, and there were a group of people, namely uh, the Jewish religious institution, who saw this as a great threat against themselves. And as a result of that, much like they persecuted Jesus, much like they had him crucified, they started to persecute the church. Uh, and one of the church leaders, Stephen, uh, he was martyred, martyred for his faith. And as a result of this persecution, what ended up happening was the church scattered. They fled. Most of the Christians at this time were in the city of Jerusalem. And this is where Stephen was killed. This is where the persecution was happening. And as a result of that persecution, what ended up happening was the church fled from Jerusalem. Now, what's interesting is on the surface, this seems like a bad thing. Of course, it is a bad thing for people to be killed. It's a bad thing for people to be martyred. But what happens in the life and ministry of the church at this point is that because of this crisis, the church started to grow. Uh, as, the, as the church scattered, as the people fled, what ended up happening was, was they would tell people about Jesus. And it was as a result of this persecution that churches were planted all over Asia Minor. The mission of Jesus continued to go forward. More and more people came to faith in Jesus because of the persecution of Stephen. And what's interesting is, is COVID, in a very similar way, has done um, a remarkable work, a purifying work within Jesus's church. Now, I want to be careful for a second. I am not in any way suggesting that uh, because of COVID, the church is under persecution. I'm not, I'm not saying that because the church can't meet uh, that somehow the government is persecuting churches. That's not, that's not a flag that I'm, I'm prepared to fly here uh, today. But what I am saying is that because of COVID, because of the reality that COVID has thrust upon the church, there has been a reality that the church has been forced to ask the question, who are we? What are we really about? What is most important to us? Uh, no longer can we be dependent on, on things like buildings, on on programs, on, on pastors, on bands, on stages, on big budgets. The church has been forced to ask themselves the question, what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? And that has come with a great opportunity. You see, one of the questions that we have never as a church asked in this season, as our leadership has had tons and tons of meetings, tons of planning meetings, tons of prayer times, the question we've never asked is, how do we survive this? How do we get through this? But we've always been asking the whole way from the very beginning, we've always been asking, how do we leverage this unique opportunity in this unique moment to make much of Jesus? And what we've seen is the Spirit of God has been at work. I think you could make a decent argument that there has been no time in the history of our church where we have been as healthy as we are right now. Uh, we have seen people come to faith in Jesus. We have seen baptisms taking place. We have been developing more leaders. We have been making more disciples. We have seen people leaning in in significant ways. We've seen the gospel being shared. We've seen community groups trying to figure out what it means to be on mission, to live on mission, to love and serve their neighbors, to love and care for one another. And Many, not all, but many of these things have happened because of the moment that we find ourselves in. And so our first key learning is that crisis leads to opportunity. The second key learning is this, 
is that the mission of Jesus is led by ordinary people. Look at verse 20 with me. Verse 20 says this, so some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about Jesus. Now notice the phrase that Luke, Luke is the author of the book of Acts, uses to describe who some of these Christians who who had to flee from Jerusalem, look at how he describes them. He says this in verse 20, he says, some of them. He doesn't use names. He doesn't identify them as one of the the 12 uh, disciples or now apostles. These were just ordinary people. Uh, These were the the modern day uh, equivalent of teachers and entrepreneurs and salespeople and construction workers. These were people who uh, planted a church, but they were just ordinary people, stay-at-home parents. And it's these people that went out and by God's grace, planted a church. It was these people who, by the power of the Spirit, were used by Jesus to see a church planted. Not just any church. What what we'll see here in just a few minutes is that the church in Antioch became one of the most influential churches in, in all of the book of Acts, as I've already said. And even we see right here in verse 20 that that they began to speak to Greeks also. In other words, this was one of the first churches that was planted that had a number of Gentile or non-Jewish converts. So this was a significant church. Now I want you to participate in a little thought experiment with me for a second. Let me ask you a question. Could you plant a church? Could you plant a church? I I don't mean could you rent a movie theater? Uh, could you have a band and a stage? Could you could you have, you know, down the hallway at the movie theater, could you have a whole bunch of little villagers, uh, classrooms with teachers? Could you have coffee and scones and greeting teams out in the lobby? That's that's. Could you preach a sermon? That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, could you plant a church? You see, all the things that we often associate with what it means to be the church, to plant a church, to, to, uh, to, to participate in the life of the church, so often those things are so disconnected from anything that the New Testament actually describes uh, in terms of what it means to be the church. So often what we need to do is actually wipe those things from our mind because none of those things would have been what we see in the church of Antioch. Those would have been foreign concepts in the church of Antioch. The church of Antioch probably would have looked a lot more like one of our community groups, small group of people meeting in a home, sharing a meal, loving their neighbors, talking about Jesus, sharing the gospel with people who don't know him, inviting others into into the rhythms of life with them, inviting others into their home and sharing a meal with them, loving, serving, sacrificing, giving to people who are in need. And as people come to faith in Jesus, baptizing them as converts. See, what we see in the book of Acts is that these were ordinary people. They were just some of them. They were just ordinary people doing ordinary things with with gospel intentionality, filled with the Holy Spirit and living with gospel intentionality. And as a result of their faithfulness and their willingness to be obedient to what Jesus called them to do, they were able to indeed plant a church. So back to the thought experiment for a second. Could you plant a church? Could you plant a church? Friends, you could. You could. In fact, what we have seen in this season, one of the 
the key learnings that we have seen in this season is that ministry and the mission of Jesus is led by ordinary people, not pastors, programs, and buildings, but ordinary people. As we look back at what has taken place over the last six or so months, the places where we see our church the healthiest, where we see the, the, the greatest fruit that looks the most like the kingdom and bears resemblance to the gospel is where ordinary people have taken seriously their call to make disciples who make disciples and to live on mission. Where ordinary people have seen themselves as the tip of the spear, if you will, for the mission of Jesus. So the first learning, the first learning that we see is that the mission, or sorry, is that uh, crisis equals opportunity. The second learning is that the mission is led by ordinary people. The third mission, or the third learning rather, is this, the spirit has to move. If God's going to, if we're going to see God do something, the spirit has to move. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 says this, the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Uh, So we see these ordinary people running out of fear. Keep that in mind, right? These aren't superstar Christians. They're, They're scared. They're fearful. They leave Jerusalem out of fear. They come to Antioch. And what does Luke record? He records that a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Well, how does that happen? Well, look at what Luke says in verse 21. He says, the Lord's hand was with them. In other words, the Spirit of God moved. The Spirit of God moved. We we need the Spirit of God to move. In order for the church to be fruitful, we need the Spirit of God to move. In order for our city to come to know Jesus, we need the Spirit of God to move. In order for your kids to come to know Jesus, we need the Spirit of God to move. In order for your spouse to come to know Jesus, we need the Spirit of God to move. In order for your neighbors to come to know Jesus, we need the Spirit of God to move. We don't need buildings. We don't need pastors. We don't need slick marketing strategies. We don't need programs. We need the Spirit of God. Amen, church? Uh, Jesus says this over and over and over again. He says things like the flesh The flesh meaning what we can muster up in and of ourselves. It counts for nothing, but it is the spirit that brings life. In the book of Acts, one of the things we see, and again, keep in mind, this is the birth of the church. There's this explosive growth within the church, but what we see is that 56 times the spirit is mentioned and referenced. What we are seeing in the book of Acts is we see thousands upon thousands of people come to faith in Jesus, as we see miracles performed, as we see churches planted, what we are seeing is a move of the Holy Spirit. The moment we find ourselves in right now, the moment the church finds herself in right now, it's it's a crisis. It's not an easy moment. It's a hard moment. Uh, Current estimates are that one in five churches in North America will permanently shut down as a result of the COVID pandemic. Statistics tell us that roughly 50% of millennial and Gen Z Christians or young people who are a part of church will end up leaving the church during this pandemic. David Kinneman of the Barner Research Group 
said this, that barring a genuine move of God in radical discipleship, statistically, we will lose the church in the West. That all sounds very bleak, doesn't it, friends? Very bleak. But it isn't the whole story. I could point out countless times to us in church history where things seemed bleak, where it seemed as though God were silent, where it seemed as though God had forgotten his church, where it seemed as though God was no longer seated on the throne. But something happened. The Spirit of God moved. Ordinary people took seriously their call to be the church, and the Spirit of God moved in a significant way. And those two things came together and became the impetus for great moves of God. Could it be that this is actually not merely a crisis, but an opportunity? Uh, could it be that it is, it is not going to be buildings and programs and large events? Those are not coming back anytime soon that is going to win over our city for Jesus. But ordinary people doing ordinary things filled with the power of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of God moves in and through our lives and we live with gospel intentionality, just like we see in the book of Acts that is going to cause our city to come to know Jesus. Friends, the Spirit has to move. Key learning number four is this, and this one goes without saying, but Jesus will build his church. Look at verses 22 through 24. So these people leave, these normal, ordinary people leave. They preach the gospel. The Lord's hands with them. Many people believe and turn to the Lord. Verse 22, now news reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And then when he arrived and saw that the, all that the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So in other words, word of what's happened in Antioch gets back to the church in Jerusalem. The uh, Jerusalem church sends Barnabas to Antioch to encourage them and to bless them. Barnabas is super encouraged. He's super encouraged at the work that Jesus is doing, just like he'd be encouraged by the work that Jesus is doing at West Village. And then look at what it says in verse 24. He was a good man, that being Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And then look at what he says. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So Barnabas comes from Jerusalem to Antioch. And because of the influence of Barnabas, the encouragement of Barnabas, the teaching and discipleship and training of other leaders, by Barnabas, what ends up happening is a great number of people, more people, come to know the Lord. Now, I want you to notice the particular language that Luke uses here to describe what is taking place. He doesn't say a whole bunch of people started coming to church. He doesn't say that the church grew. Look at what he says. It's very specific language. He said a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And so we have this picture in the book of Acts of Jesus in Acts chapter one, sending his Holy Spirit to fill the church and the Spirit moving in and through the church in powerful ways and the Spirit drawing men and women back to Jesus. So while it is indeed the work of the Spirit through ordinary men that we see happening here, ultimately what is going on? Jesus is building his church. Remember, things look bleak. Crisis has hit. 
Persecution has fallen among the church. The church is scattered. And what is Jesus doing? He's building his church. COVID hits. We can't meet. The church is forced to scatter. What's going to happen? Are we going to even make it through this? And what happens? Jesus is building his church. People are coming to faith, being discipled. New community groups are being started. This really shouldn't surprise us, shouldn't it? I mean, this is what Jesus said he was going to do, isn't it? Matthew chapter 16, one of the verses that I love to quote and recite. Jesus says, I will build my church in the gates of hell, the gates of the persecution in Jerusalem, the gates of COVID will not stand against it. Matthew chapter 28, the passage that I preached over the last four weeks in four different parks throughout the city of Victoria. Jesus says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? All authority. Jesus has all authority, even over COVID, even over persecution, even over crisis. Jesus has all authority. Luke chapter 10, verse 2, a verse that uh, we as a staff and leaders, we pray Luke chapter 10, verse 2, every single day. If you're hanging around any of our staff at 10.02, their alarm on their phone should go off. It doesn't, if it doesn't go off, let me know. I'll get them in trouble, but the alarm will go off. And we pray Luke chapter 10, verse 2, which says what? That Jesus is Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers because the fields are white. Jesus is Lord of the harvest. He's Lord of the harvest. He has all authority. He's building his church. So of course the church is going to survive in the midst of crisis. This should be of great encouragement to you. It's of great encouragement to me. When my head hits the pillow at night, wondering what is going to happen to our church, I can sleep. I can sleep because I know that no matter what we face, no matter what we encounter, Jesus is building his church. John Stott, who commented on these verses, said this. He says, when we see the Lord adding to the Lord, so that he, being Jesus, is both subject and object, source and goal of evangelism, we have to repent of all self-centered, self-confident concepts of Christian mission. In other words, friends, Jesus will build his church. He is building his church, and he will continue to build his church. Key learning number five, this is the final learning out of this text, is this, is that Jesus's desire is still to see gospel saturation. In other words, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, nothing has changed. The goal is still the same. The mission of our church is still the same, to see gospel saturation. Look at what we see here, picking up in verse 25. Then Barnabas, who was sent by the Jerusalem church, the church in Antioch, went to Tarsus to look for Saul, Saul who will later be called Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people, and the disciples were called Christians at Antioch. Now, this is interesting here, what we see in verse 26. It says that this, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Uh, this is the first time that we see the word Christian in the Bible. It's the first time that any disciples or followers of Jesus are referred to as Christians. 
Why were they called Christians? Commentators, when trying to answer that question, come to the conclusion that they were called Christians because the name of Christ or the name of Jesus was always on their lips. In other words, it was all they could speak of. He permeated all of them. To use a West Village-ism, he saturated all of their lives. Their lives, the, the lives of the people at the church in Antioch were saturated with the name of Jesus. In other words, they were saturated with the gospel. And as a result, when anyone looked at them, they identified them as followers of Christ. There's no way you could mistake them to be anything other than that because it's what came out of them. They were saturated with the gospel, and as a result, they were called Christians. And what happened from here in Acts chapter 11 is Saul comes back to the church. He, him and Barnabas train up leaders. Saul then becomes Paul, and out of the church of Antioch, Paul leaves with Barnabas and others. And church after church after church is planted out of Antioch. Paul leaves and with Jesus's name on his lips, with his life permeated with Jesus, with his life saturated with the gospel, him and his team of other leaders go and they plant more and more churches all throughout Asia Minor. And we get this picture of Jesus's desire for his church, the reason that he allowed them to be scattered was so that his mission would go forward. You see, friends, Jesus' desire has never been to fill a building. It's never been to fill a movie theater. It's never been to fill a church building or a particular address. It's always been to fill a city, to fill the world with his image bearers. Uh, this is what we call gospel saturation. This is our mission. The mission of not just our church, but of the church is to see the the city, the world saturated with the gospel. And we define gospel saturation like this, that every day, every man, woman, and child would have an encounter with Jesus and his church through word and deed. Unbelievable picture. But this is God's heart for his church, that crisis would lead to opportunity, that ordinary people would see themselves as the very leaders of the mission, that the Spirit of God would move, that Jesus would build his church, and that our city, not just our city, but our province, our country, and the world would be saturated with the gospel. So let me close this time with a question before I move into giving you an update on where we are at as a church. Could it be that this moment we find ourselves in isn't merely a crisis, but it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for the Spirit to move among us. It's an opportunity for ordinary people to live in such a way that our city would be saturated with the gospel. I believe that is what Jesus is doing in this moment. He's moving in and through us in such a unique way because he has such a unique desire that supersedes anything we could ever hope, dream, or imagine for our church and for this city. So would you join me as I close in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your work among us. 
We don't thank you for COVID. We don't thank you for the hurt and harm that it has caused both economically and also physically to people's health. But we thank you that, that in the midst of a crisis, you have not forsaken us. You, in fact, you promise you will never leave nor forsake us. That you will be with us until the very end of the age. You will build your church. And so I pray that for us. I pray for every single person that identifies West Village as their church, that they would see that this is their moment. This is our moment as a church to step into what you would have for us. You are stripping away everything that is peripheral, everything that is superfluous, and you're calling us back to the center, back to you, back to following you, back to loving you, back to walking shoulder to shoulder with our brothers and sisters and loving and serving one another and then loving and serving our neighbors that don't yet, don't yet, don't yet, don't yet know you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have called us to be a part of this church at this moment for this time. And we look forward to what you're gonna do. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen, amen. Now, what I want to do is let you know some of the things that are happening this fall, some of the things that we have planned, some of the, the ways in which uh, our church is going to be shifting and, and moving. Now, I, I left this to the very end, so you'd have to hang with me right to the very end. Um, but as we've been saying through this entire pandemic, like we need to be nimble. We need to not make grand declarations. We need to have everything written in pencil. So everything I'm about to say, well, just about everything I'm about to say to you is pencil. Some of this is just fact and you'll be able to distinguish the difference between fact and pencil. Um, but just because we're saying this and just because I'm laying some of these things out doesn't mean that this is the way it's always going to be. There's a really good chance this will change. In fact, I can pretty much guarantee you that some of these things will change as we go forward. So there's a couple key areas I just wanted to bring you up to date on what's happening in the life of our church. The first one is this. I wanted to give you a quick update uh, on our staffing, okay? So about a year ago, Brianna, who was in charge of our little villagers when we were meeting back at the Cineplex, uh, went on mat leave. Uh, she had baby Reuben. Her and David had baby Reuben. They've since moved into our neighborhood. We're now neighbors. She's coming back from mat leave. Michelle Sparrow, for the last year, had been covering Brianna's mat leave. Now, Michelle, if you know her, is an absolute gem. And we're like, we need to keep her around. So Brianna is coming back from her mat leave, but we are gonna continue to keep Michelle Sparrow on staff. As well, Dave Gray, who uh, has been leading our high school student ministry for quite a while, uh, he took a bit of a sabbatical, about a four or five months sabbatical. I can't remember exactly how long it was, maybe three months sabbatical. Uh, as of September 1st, he is also back on staff. So let me just run down for you uh, what our staffing situation is and who's doing what, just so that there is an abundance of clarity. So we have three full-time staff. Uh, Andrew's full-time staff and his primary areas of oversight, although he does a lot more than this, uh, is to give oversight to our community groups and DNA groups. Uh, then there's Nathan, who's also on full-time staff. Again, he does a whole bunch of stuff. Everybody on our team does way more than they're paid for and way more than they're asked to do. They go above and beyond the call of duty. But Nathan leads all of our tech stuff, helps with all of our Sunday morning production, especially now uh, in this season of COVID where we're doing lots of digital and online. Like Nathan is, is he's the brains behind all that operation. And then there's me, who's full-time staff, and nobody really knows what I do. I don't really know what I do, but I do some stuff and I enjoy my job. So thanks for keeping me around. 
Uh, then we have three part-time staff. All these part-time staff are on uh, 10 hours a week. And of course, with COVID, uh, their job descriptions, again, are fluid and have somewhat shifted. So Dave Gray, he's coming back as of September 1st. He's back on 10 hours a week. He's going to give oversight to our high school students. That's going to remain the same. Brianna, now her job description coming back obviously shifted because we don't have Little Villagers Ministry anymore on Sundays. So during COVID, she's going to be working with families to ensure that they're equipped to disciple their children, as well as she's going to be doing some administration. Now, let me just be clear about this for a second. One of the key... Um, significant areas that we are going after. Uh, one of the things that COVID has exposed in our church is that we need to make sure that all of our families know how to disciple their own children, that they can't be dependent on programs or, you know, West Village, uh, little villagers on Sunday morning to, to do this work for them. So Brianna, while she's not going to come in as the expert, is coming in as a resource person to start these conversations with families, to create resources, to connect people to other people and help build a bridge to get families feeling like they can start to disciple their children well. So there's going to be lots of things happening as we head into the fall to pay attention to. She's also going to be doing some administration. And then Michelle, as I already alluded to, is going to be staying on staff. And she's going to be working with Andrew to shepherd DNA leaders. She's also going to be working with Brianna to ensure that families are well-equipped. And then she does other stuff as well for us. So that's our staffing update. Second thing, I want to just give you a highlight on uh, like where our finances are at. So a bit of a financial update. Just want to give you a sense of where things are at. So big picture, big, big 20,000-foot picture. As a church, we're doing really, really great financially. In fact, we've never been in a healthier position financially in the history of our church than we are in right now. When COVID first hit, you know, we were all unsure of what, uh, what this was going to mean for us financially. Uh, but, you know, honestly, when it first all went down, uh, some of us were like, okay, are we going to have jobs in a few weeks? But honestly... Uh, the giving went up. We saw our giving go up between 20 and 30% roughly right out of the gate. Then it leveled off to normal. But then over the summer, it's actually decreased, uh, you know, fairly substantially. Uh, so let me just give you a quick rundown over the last few months of what our giving has looked like. Now, the numbers I'm going to show you are just the numbers that have gone into our general giving. We have other categories of giving, like broken ministries. We have a COVID relief fund. We have Soma Fuchu that people give money to. So this, this is just money that has gone to to general church operations. So in the month of March, we brought in roughly, these are rounded numbers, roughly 31,000. The, uh, the month of April, uh, we brought in roughly $47,500. May, roughly $47,000. Uh, June, roughly $33,000. Now you can start to see things kind of leveling off there in the month of June. July, slight dip down to $31,000. And then the month of August, which just completed, we brought in $25,000. Now, you can see that there is a downward trend, which we are obviously uh, aware of, but we're not really concerned for a bunch of reasons. First off, uh, it's the summer, and our giving tends to go down in the summer months. Uh, also, uh, up to this point, our expenses have been quite low. Like We often, in a month, are running about a $25,000 um, budget in terms of how much money we're spending. So most, well, actually every month since COVID, we've actually been able to put a substantial amount of money in the bank. Uh, we have roughly $100,000 in the bank. So we actually have quite a long runway uh, should we have a giving shortfall on a given month. But I do want to draw your attention as we head into the fall 
that our expenses are going to start to go up. As you're going to hear in just a second, we're going to start to have Sunday gatherings again. So there's going to be costs associated with that, rent and some other incidentals. Uh, we've brought on some of our staff, staff coming back on, Dave coming back, Michelle coming back. Dave was often on CERB and Michelle staying on. So our, we're going to see our staffing costs go up. I just want to remind you that these things are happening and encourage you to continue to be faithful, encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit, encourage you to give like Jesus gave and as the Spirit convicts. Okay, so that's finances. The last one, this is the one that everyone's been waiting for, an update on our gatherings. What is going to happen with Sunday gatherings? Now, I already talked about this, but in the month of August, we did a four-week experiment of meeting together just to get a sense of what it was going to be like, a bit of a, an opportunity to test the waters, if you will, uh, and see where people were at and get a sense of what people were interested in. I would say overall, it was a smashing success. We had between 140 and 160 people out each week. Every week, we saw different faces. And the number one question that I got as I was visiting the various gatherings is, are we going to do this in the fall? Like, how are we going to do it? We can't do parks, but we want to keep meeting. So we've been working behind the scenes to try and figure out what we can do as we move into the fall. And now here's our plan. Again, keep in mind, everything written in pencil, okay? But as it stands, as of right now, we are going to have two Sunday morning venues that you can come and uh, gather, it, gather in on a Sunday. The first one will be in Souk, and that's going to be predominantly for our Souk family. We have, uh, you know, a good number of people that live out in Souk, uh, and they are going to continue to have their own Sunday gathering out there in Souk. They're con- right now, I mean, we just made this decision yesterday or a few days ago, I should say, and they're working out the details of what this will look like as we speak, but, um, but they're going to be gathering on a weekly basis. Now, for the West Shore, we are going to be meeting in the Cineplex. And this goes actually not just for the West Shore, but for the rest of the West Village family. Uh, again, we are literally working out the details of what it's going to look like as we speak, but here's the hope. And again, remember, this is in pencil, okay? But starting on Sunday, September 13th, so that's next Sunday, we are going to have three different gatherings happening at the Cineplex. We're working with them to sort out all the times, all the details, but the plan is to have three gatherings of 50 that will be socially distanced and extremely safe, uh, but will at least be able to be together. At this point, and again, a lot of these things are going to change as we go. At this point, all of the gatherings will have pre-recorded music on the screen, just like we saw today online. And two of the three gatherings will have live preaching, a live host, and a live leader who will lead in liturgy and prayer. And then the third gathering will have everything streamed into it. And it's going to be a space that's going to be designed more for families with kids, who might have a hard time sitting still, and so there might just be a little bit, a little bit more noise in that room, if you will. Now, there's a couple of things I need to add here. Uh, the Cineplex has some requirements of us that extend beyond what our provincial government requires of us. Because of the government restrictions of gatherings being 50 or under, you're going to still continue to have to pre-register to come, just like we did over the course of the summer. We need to do that for contact tracing to make sure that we don't have more people show up than are supposed to be there. All that information is going to come out this week over social media. Links will be available. It'll be just like we did for the summer. So because of that, because of some of these restrictions, we're not going to have any little villagers, kids programming, but we will have some things available, clean, safe things, fun things for kids uh, to take with them into the theater where family, and we're going to have a special family theater where kids can gather, make a little bit more noise, 
but we're going to have some things to interact with kids around. Also important to note, there will be staggered entry and assigned seating in order to sure, ensure that distance distancing is followed. And we're, we're not going to have all these people coming in and coming out at one time. All the common areas need to remain fairly spaced out. And so one gathering is going to start. And once those people have kind of come in and moved into their theater, then we'll start a second gathering and those people will go into their theater. And then while they're in their second theater, the first theater will have ended. Those people will leave. That theater will get cleaned up. As that second theater uh, comes to an end, they will then leave, which will then mean everyone's out of the building. The building will have been cleaned. A third group will come in uh, for the third gathering. And then you can see how it'll work. And everyone's going to have lots of space. It's going to be super safe. Um, the, the other reality is we're not going to be able to mingle in the lobby. The Cineplex is asking for people to enter and exit the building immediately. Once you get outside, you can stop and talk to people, but they're trying to limit mingling in the lobby. And then lastly, and this is probably the most difficult thing, uh, we won't be able to sing, unfortunately. At this point, and again, this is a Cineplex Odeon policy that extends beyond what our provincial government has requested, but the Cineplex has requested that church groups not sing. So hence, we have to have music on the screen. We can't actually have live music at this point. So we cannot make a joyful noise to the Lord. However, we can hum, make a joyful hum to the Lord. Um, and it's probably worth noting on top of all this, we are going to continue to look for another venue where we can meet uh, that will be somewhere not in the West Shore, where our Saanich expression can have their own Sunday gathering. And um, more details will come as, you know, as we have them, because we just don't have those details at this point. And our hope is that, by God's grace, these groups, if we have a Souk group, if we have a West Shore group, if we have a Saanich group, just like we see in the book of Acts, that, that these expression gatherings can be hub, become hubs of God's mission. Now, here's where I'm going to close. Uh, when, when COVID first hit and became a reality for us, I remember thinking to myself, this is going to be pretty short-lived. This is not going to be very long. Uh, you know, it was early March. We canceled our first gathering. And honestly, in the back of my mind, I assumed by Easter, we would be back in the Cineplex. Well, Easter came and went. And then a couple of weeks after Easter, you think to yourself, well, maybe by the summer. Well, summer has come and gone. And the reality is, I don't think this is going to change anytime soon. I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have any insider information. But in my mind, I am preparing that it, we are going to be in this place for at least another year, if not longer. And regardless of how long that timeline is, I'm not sure things will ever feel quite the same. And we've been using this analogy that, that I think is really helpful for us as we think about what it means to be a part of a church in this season. I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure you have, stayed in a hotel for the weekend, right? You go to a hotel for the weekend, you come in with your suitcase, you kind of open up your suitcase, and if you're only there for a couple of days, then you kind of feel like it. You know, you don't really need to unpack. You don't need to put things in the drawers. You don't need to hang your shirts up. You don't need to do any of that. You don't need to put anything in the closet because you're just there for a couple of days. So you kind of live out of the suitcase, right? You end up having the clean clothes on one side, the dirty clothes on the other side. And you kind of just make do because you're only there for a few days. Uh, but if you're going away for a long period of time, like for a couple of weeks or maybe even a month, 
and it gets a little bit inconvenient and uncomfortable to be living out of the suitcase. It's time to start putting things in the drawers. It's time to start making it feel a little bit more like a home because you need to settle in. I think for some of us, and there's lots of reasons why this might be the case, for some of us, we're still living out of the suitcase. We're still kind of holding our breath, if you will, or waiting. We're waiting for things to go back to the way they were. My encouragement to us as a church is to unpack. It's to unpack the suitcase. It's to unpack the clothes. It's to settle in and to realize that this is going to be the way things are for a very long time. And if you try to live out of the suitcase in this moment, if you try and just kind of hold your breath or, or wait, it might be too late. It might be too late for you to be disconnected from community, to, to, to not hear the teaching and preaching of God's word, to not hear the voice of other Christians singing praises to Jesus, to not be prayed for. I'm not suggesting anybody needs to put themselves into harm's way. I'm not suggesting anybody needs to go against their conscience or what they think is wise. But I am suggesting that we as a church anticipate that we're going to be in this season for a long time. And the goal in this season is not to merely survive, but it's to see what God would do in and through us. And so my encouragement to you is to lean in, to press in, to come be a part of community at whatever level you're able to, whatever level you're comfortable with, whatever level is safe and appropriate for you. But to stretch yourself, to push yourself, to, to kind of turn off the, the internet church or the TV church and to get up off the couch. And if you're able to, to participate to the fullness of your ability and what it means to be the church and to live out Jesus's mission. I'm excited for what the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months are going to look like for us as a church. My, my prayer, honestly, if I'm honest with you, my prayer is that we would come out of the other side of this, having planted churches, see more people come to faith in Jesus, and continue to see Jesus made known in our city and our city saturated with the gospel. And so the invitation for all of us is to come and participate in that, continue to be faithful, continue to serve, continue to love, continue to give, and continue to make Jesus known. If you have any questions about any of this, if you want to talk to any of our team at the church office. You can send any of us an email, a generic email address, info at westvillagechurch.com. If you want to get connected in any way, you can, uh, you can send an email to that email address. But know that we as a church love you. Know that the, the elders and the staff are praying for you. And know that Jesus has a plan for this season in the life of our church. Let me pray one more time for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for how you've been at work among us. Thank you. Thank you that we can trust you and that we can put our hope in you. Thank you that you will build your church. Thank you that your mission will go forward and you will be made known in our city. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church.